Welcome to Cryptids of the Corn. Each week, Justin and Jay take a look at a topic in the crypto and paranormal world. They focus on the Midwest and Appalachia of the U.S., but sometimes they venture out. With everything from well-known monster sightings to one-off cryptids, live person interviews to actual fieldwork sneaking in some science lessons, there's sure to be something you'll enjoy. Please join us this episode of Cryptids of the Corn. Hello, hello, and welcome back. I am the great and powerful Mr. E. And I am your tinfoil hat wearing Jay. And together we make up Cryptids of the Corn podcast. Thank you for joining us on this week's Green Thumbed episode. Oh, green Thumb. <laughs> boop, boop, boom. We're going to cover a field closely related to cryptozoology that doesn't get a lot of love. Cryptobotany. Mm. A.K.A. Plant monsters. Kinda. Okay. That's how, that's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> no, so this is, I'm going to read you a little blurb for cryptobotany, and then we're going to do three examples of members of this clade. Mm, clade. Cryptobotany is a field related to cryptozoology dedicated to the study and search for formerly undescribed plants. Due to their nature, plants are far less common than, or far less common than cryptid animals, as animals are mobile it will not remain in the same spot for long. Whilst the plants mostly are immobile and therefore likely to formally be documented and described after only a single encounter. Also, if they eat somebody, uh, when the if the villager witnesses this mm-hmm. and they go back down the mountain, when they come back up with all their pitchforks and flammable liquids, the thing's still in the same spot. Right. The- <laughs> so they don't make it as long. It's easy to burn. Um, it's a much easier to wipe out cryptid plants than it is cryptid animals. Right. You can get get a good certain distance at it and shoot a flaming arrow at it and yeah. call it a day. So what do you think about this? Have you heard of any cryptid plants before that we started looking into this episode? Um, I haven't heard of like any actual ones. I mean, in movies I've seen stuff, you know, where it's like the pit of vines or something that grabs a guy and wraps him up and then he's screaming and then he's gone. Stuff like that, but no, not in like the real deal documentation stuff now. I have not. So like I said, I have three cases from three different continents, or kind of continents. Uh, two are from the same, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, Central and North America is the two. That's basically it's two separate. almost South America. Yeah, you're close enough. We're gonna, the first one I'm going to talk about is the Cartier Digenae. Okay. It's one of the it has a, it, this plant actually has a scientific name. It's also known as the Devil Tree of Madagascar, Ooh. or the Man Eating Tree. Okay, in in Madagascar, you say? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, and in 1920, a newspaper illustration depicting a young woman in the grips of the Cardae digenae, uh, sacrificed to the man eating plant. So literally, the native Madagascarans would sacrifice people hmm. to these plants. I don't really know why, because they can't really do a lot if you, like, take 30 steps away. Well, <laughs> right. Well, maybe they just needed to appease the gods. But this has a lot of documentation with it. Ooh, okay. You ready to get right into it? Oh, yeah. So, the Cartier Dijonet is a pseudotaxonomical name for a cryptobotna... A bot, oh, gosh. A crypto 
by I can't say it. A cryptid plant. <laughs> Cryptivorous plant, which is supposedly origins in Madagascar, also known most popularly by the Devil Tree of Madagascar or the Manning Tree of Madagascar. The Manning Tree was subject to the press attention during the late 19th century and again in the early 20th century. Mm-hmm. Originating from a report from the New York World of, of, April, of April 26, 1874. That's not that terribly old. And I have some articles here. Keep in mind, this was written over 100 years ago, so they're a little hard to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the authorship of these fantastical stories would later be attributed to Ed, or Edmund Spencer. Edmund. Edmund. <laughs> I haven't heard that name before. It's Edmund. Edmund. I like it. I almost said Edward, but there's no... It's not Edward. It's, it's an Edmund. M. Edmund. Okay. E-D-M-U-N-D. I like that name. I might have to adopt it. Uh, yeah. Uh, hey, this episode, I'm not the tinfoil hat wearing Jay. I'm, I'm Edmund. Edmund. I'm Edmund Jay. Edmund Jay. <laughs> um, so what did Edmund say? Uh, just, he, he was the first one to report on it. Okay, so, okay. Gotcha. Uh, so s- s- here's like some... I'm just going through it. There's all kinds of people that have kind of talked about this plan over the years, and it keeps popping up. Uh, Maxwell Stomers talked about 1834. Okay, even older. Yeah, uh, but so I'm going to read the article from 1888. Okay, actually, I'm going to have Jay read it. <laughs> Not a problem. Okay, the article from 1888. Yep. Okay, so this was in the what the current issue eight August of 1888 issue of current literature under the title "Wonderful Stories: The Man Eating Tree." Oh, I see why. I see why you want me to read this. Okay, in the last number of Graph uh, in Walter's magazine published at Karlsruhe. Um, <laughs> 1888. Yeah, these are... The language has completely changed. Oh my gosh. There's a letter in regard to the newly discovered, and this is the... What'd you... Cronoida Dagiana. Daginiae. Daginiae? The A is always an A at the end. Gotcha. Daginiae. From the discoverer Carl Leche, the eminent botanist, prefaced by some notes from Dr. Omelius Fredlowski, whose deep research in vegetable physiology has had so many important results. Leche's letter, it appears, was originally addressed to Fredlowski, and they seem to have been pursuing a subject of novel and startling interest, which is likely to give remarkable discoveries to science. Dr. Fredolowski says, My special and only motive for publishing prematurely the history of my friend Leche's half-developed discovery is similar to that which influenced Darwin to bring out his book on the origin of species. His theory was not near developed, but his title to priority but his title to priority in discovery was imperiled by the announcement of Mr. Wallace's research in the Malayan archipelago. Darwin himself, as well as some American botanists, have lately come to so perilously near to the discovery of the problem Leche set himself to investigate. In their studies of Dros... Oh gosh, I can't read these big words. In their studies of Drosera and Saracenia, that I think it is due to my friend's credit to make some preliminary announcement 
of the great progress he has already made towards establishing a point of contact of our organic systems with those of the universe at large. Through analysis of constitution of some abnormal plants which have always hitherto puzzled the botanists. The point to which Carl Liche, at my suggestion, has been giving his attention latterly is briefly this. Certain plants, such as Drosera, with its outlying species, oh gosh, Saracenia and some others, departing from the general law, instead of supplying food to the animal, turn the tables, capture them, and are themselves carnivorous. So he's saying instead of feeding the animals, they're eating the animals. They're turning around and eating the animals instead. It has often occurred to me in the connection with these insectivorous plants, so abnormal in their constitution that they might have a widely different origin, or at least an origin widely different in point of time from the common orders of plants inhabiting our globe, and that if I could establish the nature of this different origin upon reasonable grounds, I might at the same time afford a reasonable explanation at once of the origin and the primordial variations of life. I'm going to pause right there too. Um, with this being in Madagascar, I think Madagascar is part of an old world. Yeah, I mean, it has a lot of old world animals in it. Like the... alone the plants. Exactly. Like the lemurs. Aren't those yeah, old world... old world primates. Um, the coelacanth was found right off that coast of Madagascar. It's in One this, of the populations. Yes. Wasn't that where they were first rediscovered? Yes. No, Africa. Madagascar? No, Africa truth. I think the Atlantic side. Oh, okay. Not well, close enough. Mm-hmm. Close enough. Well, uh, you know, 6,000 miles, but yeah. <laughs> close enough. <laughs> and um, also, there's also that theory that Lemuria was... Uh, Madagascar might be part of the sunken continent, Lemuria, if you believe in that stuff, which I think there may be some truth to that. I already found Atlantis. I can find Lemuria. No, that's not Atlantis. That's not Atlantis. You're wrong. No, the one in the middle of the Atlantic. Yep, that's wrong. It's not. Oh, that one. Maybe that one's right. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. But, okay, I digress. Let's go back to the article. (laughs) (laughs) When Liche went to Bombay in response to the call extended to him by the medical college of that city, he went full of my ideas upon his vastly important subject and prepared as I advised him to make special investigations into the habitats of all such abnormal plants as seem to depart from the characteristic traits of the flora of their perspective or respective countries. This I state here because while the theory is by no means far advanced, it was while in search of facts to Oh my gosh, it's so weird reading this old I article. Know, it's over a hundred years old. Yeah, it was. Everybody at home keep that in mind. This is 1888. <laughs> yes, they had a different. It was I don't know different way of barely writing. the same language. Yes, it was while in search of facts to countenance this theory that Leche discovered the remarkable and terrible Crinordia. Then how do you say that one again? Dijene. Dijene. Dejine. Dejine. Oh, Of which his letter gives such graphic and forcible description. After quite a long, oh gosh, jo- know, journey word. in India. And I changed the word there. <laughs> um, Liche was introduced or induced to go to Madagascar by Dr. Bwahu Daji, which I'm assuming it was named after. Yep. The liberal-minded, intelligent Parsi physician of Bombay. 
who indeed supplied the means for the expedition, and made so many thoughtful provisions for my colleague's comfort as to win his gratitude and love. Dr. Whoa. Ooh, interesting. Dr. De- he named a man-eating plan after him. After so. him, yeah. Sounds loving. Dr. Daji, um, it seems, represented to Leche that it was impossible to glean such in a field so carefully worked over by many botanists and indeed almost exhausted by Hooker. I don't know who Hooker is. That's the first they mentioned him, right? Big botanist. Okay. When quite a young man, um, Dr. Daji, had made a voyage to Madagascar and one of, oh gosh, this is a big um, Indian name, like from India. Let's re- let's try this sentence again. <laughs> when quite a young man, Dr. Deji, made a voyage to Madagascar and one of Sir Jamsetji, Gigi Boy's trading ships. Good enough to me. Yep, that's about right. You can get the idea. And had been deeply impressed with the remarkably various and beautiful flora that almost untraveled of that almost untraveled region. An excellent opportunity offered for going out in one of these, oh gosh, Kurtsetji Gigi Boy traders. <laughs> um, the ships, I'm guessing. Gigi Boy traders. That's really what it is, too. Like I don't know how the way it pronounces. Which was to stop at Tamatave on their way to the Cape. So, Leche of, of Africa, but oh my gosh! Yes, this, or, <laughs> is it Africa or India? I don't even know at this point. The Cape is Africa. I know, they're but they're hopping all these... from India to Africa, but they're stopping in Madagascar along the way. Okay, so many Indian words and names. Here, so, so Le- it back. Oh, I'm still going here. <laughs> so Leche embarked, attended by Madagascar sailor for servant, Doctor Zaji, having hired the. F- fellow thinking he would be useful to Liche as a guide and interpreter. That was more than two years ago. Since then, I have received let three letters from Liche, two by the way of Bombay, one by the way of the Cape, and now last week a fourth, which he had the luck to send by an Arabian trader to Zanzibar, whence it reached me via Aden, which I'm guessing is someone else. After writing... After writing of many other things, Liche proceeded to say, But I do not know how soon said Ben Yamala may take a notion to sail. I want to tell you about the remarkable tree which I have discovered, and which I have named in honor of my benefactor, Crinoida Dejina. So, pause. Crinoidas, I believe, are the Venus flytrap family. Mm. So, it's not a tree. It's just like uh, like what we talked about with Dace being called Dace, even though it's not a real thing. Ah. It's being called a tree because it's very large. Wait, way to bring it back to fish. Well, yeah, I'm just saying, you know. No, it works. Yeah, all these <laughs> things that we call other things, like bear cats and stuff like that. Oh, like pike and perch. Yeah. It just, it doesn't, it's not the same stuff. Right. Even though it's called a tree, he put it in the family, which I believe belongs to Venus flytraps. I think Cronoidia is. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of. That, two pages of that article. To finally get to the tree. Finally, gosh, yes, finally. I could have taken that out, but I thought it was funny or not. Oh, yeah, it's pretty funny. Because <laughs> it's like... Listen to this language. <laughs> this is all he had to do in 18... Like, Keep in mind, his friend's been gone for two years at this point. Mm-hmm. He's only gotten four letters in two years. Man, and he finally, on the fourth one, got to the tree. And two years later. Want me to keep going? Yeah, I just wanted to point that out, that this this whole thing... 
this the, the writing's written like this is because mm-hmm. this is all he had to do. <laughs> I gotcha. Okay, you're right. He had to put a lot of flair into it. Also, like speaking of the Venus flytrap, I mean that's still a carnivorous plant oh, around. We'll get to the we'll get to all the carnivorous plants here at the end. Okay. So I mean, like none of this stuff is like crazy far fetched or unbelievable at all. Well, well, read about the tree first before you say crazy far fetched or unbelievable. Okay. <laughs> Okay, about two weeks after my le- last letter to you, I went from Tananarivo to a point in the mountains over against Mananzari to visit Christianized chief there who had sent me great many messages. On the way, th- on the way thither, I th- oh my gosh, thither. I'm gonna change some of these words to modern words. On the way there, my majesty. My Madagascar servant, oh, Madagascar servant, deserted me, saying he did not want to be killed and eaten by the Makotos, a tribe of inhospitable savages who's... So he's on Madagascar right now. Mm-hmm. So he, he's not, even though he's riding from the Cape Horn of Africa, he's talking about his journey in Madagascar. And his servant that was his guide there left him mm-hmm. in Madagascar. Mount Madagascar has giant mountain ranges. Ooh, interesting. That's why it's still there. Okay, gotcha. It's the top of the mountains. The rest of the island, uh, the rest of the, the land mass is underwater. Mm. So it, it extended both directions. It used to connect to Africa, but it also went further out in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Lemuria. Could be, but Madagascar is literally just mountains. the top of the mountains. That's awesome. Um, let's see here. Um, he said that he didn't want to be eaten by those people, the tribe of inhospitable savages who've whom little was known, but who were supposed to dwell on the mountains further to the south, and to be cannibals. In Teliyamat's place, I hired, when I reached the chieftain's village, a perfect treasure in the shape of a Namkakafri named Henrik, who had fled Gramtown on account of some scrape, scrape, I don't know what word that is. A fight. A f- uh, yeah, there we go, a he tiff, a, a scuffle. There we go. After many wanderings, found himself in the chief's, um, let's say, in the chief's hut. Henrik, he is now, he is with me now, is a fearless and intelligent fellow, full of enterprise and spirit, a good hunter, and a most devoted, untiring, and unquestioning follower. I had taken him with me on several botanizing excursions. When he asked me why I did not go visit the land of Makotos, where I would find a great number of the curious plants, such as he had never seen elsewhere. I answered that they had a reputation of being inhospitable, cannibals, and all that, but he poo-pooed the idea. They, they were used poo-pooed back then. Some, that's funny. I know. It's been along for a long time. Yeah, you know, something... Some stuff changes every <laughs> 10 years. I wasn't ready for that one. Um, he he poo-pooed had, the idea. Yeah, he poo-pooed the idea. He had been among them twice, he said, and he had been well-received. Ooh, that's kind of cool. So, the first servant left because he's like, no, they're going to eat us. This guy was like, no, I've I've hung out with them two times, and they've both been fine both times. Oh, and he says here, and he would guarantee me the kind treatment among them. Okay, they got their bad name from being continually at war with the other tribes and from successfully barring their country against all invaders. Oh, kind of like the Sentinelese of modern day. Um, he then gave me an account of the country and particularly of the strange plant I have spoken of above. And so excited my curiosity that I resolved to go there once at once. And accordingly, as we were 
tolerably well equipped, we set out over the mountains without returning to take leave of the chief, my entertainer. The country of Makotas began about five days' journey from the point where we started. And so Madagascar is very hard to traverse. Is it because the mountain ranges yeah. and the forest and yeah, stuff? Yeah, and there was a lot of these, what he keeps calling countries, which is like tribal lands. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of these individualized tribes. And, um, were... and Madagascar is huge. Mm-hmm. It's a huge island. Yeah. The island is, um, you know, kind of a misnomer mm-hmm. when you think about it. It's kind of like how Australia is an island. Right, yeah. I mean, it's not quite Australia size, but no, it's big. It's, it's big for an it's island. It's the second biggest island in the world. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, dwarfs Hawaii. I mean, that's just oh, a famous I mean, island. You dwarfs know. Japan, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, let's see here. Um, let's see. It was a five-day journey from when he started and was a long valley sloping and descending towards the east and Ingert on three sides mm-hmm. by rough, inaccessible mountains. On the fourth, separated from the coast by jungles and morris i don't know what that means you know that word Mm-mm. um yeah are you what's that word right there pulling a j or justin yeah, yes exactly but either way it was discovered separated from the coast by jungles um the approach to it was most arduous over the crest of several several sharp mountain ridges frowning with basaltic precipices basaltic rock <laughs> No sooner had we come to the valley, however, than I felt the warm, warm breath of the Indian Ocean and saw its influence in the vegetation, which grew rapidly more and more tropical, majestic, and colossal as we descended. The valley had an average breadth of about 30 miles and was about 170 miles, five, 175 miles long. This is one valley. That's huge. Mm-hmm. In the course of which it descended over 3,000 feet. The Makotas are a very primitive race, going entirely naked, having only faint vestiges of tribal relations, and no religious religion beyond that of the awful reverence which they pay to the sacred tree. Ooh, so the tree is like holds a... Yeah, so these people are supposedly super primitive. Like you said, no clothes. Mm-hmm. They have no sense of village. They don't work together. It's very, very small family groups. They just pay tribute to this tree. Interesting. They carry a javelin about six feet long. Did I say javelin? Mm-hmm. I said that right? Okay. I read it and then in my head, I'm like, you said that word wrong. They carry a javelin about six feet long with which they conquer the cheetah and do not hesitate to encounter the formidable buffalo. Um, that I rain- don't know what he's referring to as cheetah here. Mm-hmm. There are no cheetahs in Madagascar. I wonder if it's just like a bit, another big cat. They don't it's have spe- cats. It's spelled like cheetah, or, but it's spelled like a little differently. They don't have big cats. Hmm. So, uh, cheetah. It, it looks like cheetah, actually. There's a uh, there's a giant predatory. I'm trying to think what it's called. There is a predatory mammal on there, but it wouldn't be very dangerous to people. Hmm. Well, the formidable buffalo. Yeah. That, no, buffalo are scary. Yeah, that ranges the woody slopes and savannas of their country. They are also armed with a short bow and quiver of poison arrows. They dwell entirely in caves hollowed out of the limestone rocks in their hills and are one of the smallest races. The men seldom seldom exceeding 55, 56 inches in height, which is, what is that? 56 inches, four feet, four and a half, almost five feet tall. Is that about right? 56? 48 is four. Right. So, yeah, not even five feet tall. No, it's exactly five feet tall. 56 is? Mm-hmm. 12. 
You sure about that? No, 58 would be. Yeah. No, 60. 60 is five feet tall. Oh, you're right. 12 times five. So about four foot eight. Yeah. So small. Mm hmm. Um, and there's a lot of smaller races out there that aren't really talked, like old races. Yeah, it's because no, primitive. Low food intake. Mm. Breeds it out to big people. Mm. Or just different phenotypes. That's the same thing. Oh, okay. I just like saying that word. I know. Their country must be a very productive one. If I may judge from the abundance of animal and vegetable life it contains. At different elevations in the valley during my short um, journey into it, I noticed droves of antelope. Um, so here's that. The chita. It has a, uh, uh, what's it called? A Latin name. If we want to like look that up. Felis jubata. If we ever want to figure out what exactly it is. The hyrax... Manus pentadactyla, oh gosh, and many other animals. While the lower forests were full of new species of gigantic teropi, do you know what that is? Teropi, 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 um, which at night flew about as if the land belonged to them. Um, the variety and richness of the flora in this valley uh, may be inferred when I tell you that I saw and examine species of all the palms, um, and that among the plants growing commonly, I found acacia, numerous, ac- gosh, there's just a lot of, he found a lot of different plants, let's just put it that way. Um, I attribute this richness and variety to several causes. The latitude, half tropical, half temperate, the variety of altitude, and the warm, sultry, vapor-laden winds from the Indian Ocean, which cause vast rainfall. So it's a very rich and diverse yeah, island area. Madagascar is total. There's so many new species discovered in Madagascar every year to this day. Mm. Keep in mind, this 1888. Yeah, 140 years ago. Uh, but so I looked up the wild cat thing. There are forest cats. And that's what they're referring to by the chita. Mm, okay. Uh, they have the cheetah-like pattern, but they are a lot smaller. Oh, okay. Like 20 pounds. But for little people like that, that... Can... Oh, they kill... They, I mean, they could really hurt somebody yeah oh uh, yeah and, but they're not big cats i mean i don't like when a house cat scratches me so and then the other animal i was thinking of are the fusa which are a little larger they're mm. the, one of the apex predators of the island okay um so yeah this we got a very i don't know rich environment that breeds i don't know in an area for biodiversity a, there you go you you know the words better than me it's super rich in biodiversity. Madagascar is famous for this. Uh, a lot of early explorers in the early, the late 19th, early 20th century during this time made their whole careers on one or two trips to Madagascar. Mm. Uh, they're like that's where like they just discovered vampire ants like two or three years ago there. Oh really? Oh gosh, that's awesome. Blood drinking ants. That's pretty crazy. What are they drinking the blood of? Just any animal? Uh, no, other ants. Other ants? Ants mm-hmm. have blood. I didn't know that. Okay, cool. All animals have blood. All of them? Even all bugs do? Hmm. Okay, I didn't know that. Well, it's not like ours. I know that. No, it's not like ours, but I mean, neither is octopus blood. True. Interesting. Okay. Okay, so let's see here. Um, all right, let's get into his journey. Back into his journey. He's talking about how dangerous it is. There's alligators and venomous serpents. Where do you say alligators? Um, he says this. They pla- they passed through a lake. This lake was filled with alligators, and his jungle bordered 
uh, borders where the home of the cheetah and the variety of venomous serpents are. Um, great ferns bent over its margins, and its surface was spotted with leaves and flowers of the lotus. He's very, uh, you're right, he's very detailed. This is all he has to do. Yes. Um, a path diverging from its southern side struck boldly for the for the heart of the forbidding and seemingly impenetrable forest. Henrik led the way along the path. I followed closely, and behind me, curious rabble of Makoto's men, women, and children. After we were fairly in the forest, a shade overhead was so dense that the jungle and undergrowth almost disappeared, and instead there was a damp, boggy turf, cold, spongy, and yielding to the tread. The stalks of the tall trees rose like columns, the vines hanging down from them in festoons and their roots running over the ground in every direction, making walking difficult. Suddenly, the natives began to cry, began to cry, Tepi, Tepi. And Hendrick, stopping short, said, Look, the sluggish canal-like stream here would wound slowly by, and in a bare spot near its bend was the most singular of trees. I have called it Crinoidea, because when its leaves are in action, it bears a striking resemblance to that well-known fossil of the crinoid lily stone or saint cuthbert's beads so this is the tree they the found primitive it. venus flytrap so mm-hmm. it's the first like this giant leaf that would close shut before we had like the flowering type heads of modern venus flytraps mm. he says if you can imagine a pineapple eight feet high and a thick and thick in proportion resting upon its base um and denuded of leaves. I don't know. Oh, so no, no leaves. leaves. Gotcha. Okay. You will have a good idea of the trunk of the tree, which, however, was not the color of an anana, but a, I don't know what that means, but a dark, dingy brown and apparently hard as iron. Ooh. Um, from its apex of this tr- truncated cone, at least two feet in diameter, eight leaves hung sheer to the ground like doors swung back on their hinges. These leaves were joined at the top of the tree at regular intervals, were about 11 or 12 feet long, and shaped very much like the leaves in an American agave. Hmm. So, yeah, like a, uh, like the, um, oh, my gosh, agave. Yeah. Uh, agave aloe. Yeah. Oh, aloe, too? Yeah. The aloe family. Okay. Uh, so, keep, so imagine, like you said, the pineapple, the color, he's saying it's not yellow. Is what that word means. Oh, gotcha. He's okay. Saying, Unlike a pineapple, it's not yellow. It's dark brown or black. Mm. And he has 11 of these leaves that hang off the top of it. So there's this, it opens. So basically there's no leaves. Imagine if all the leaves on top of the pineapple were, were all the way going down to the ground. Draped over it. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Like a pineapple with droopy leaves. Yes. There we go. Big. Very rough, hard skin. But uh, keep in mind, a lot of trees or heavy, thick plants in Africa and Madagascar have that kind of wood because mm-hmm. they had to deal with megafauna for so long. Like the baobab yep. trees. Yeah. It says they were two feet through their thickest part and three feet wide. Is that the... Uh, um, oh, the plant, I'm guessing. Tapering to a sharp point that looked like the a leaves. cow's horn. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Oh, three. Okay. Three feet wide. Two feet at their thick part. Three feet wide. Okay. Gotcha. Um, let's see here. Um, very convex on the outer, but now under the surface and on the inner now upper surface, slightly concave. This concave face was thickly set with a very strong thorny hooks. Ooh, like those upon the head of a teasel. What's the teasel? 
Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe another plant? Yeah, it's another plant for sure. These leaves hanging thus limp and lifeless, dead green in color, and in appearance the massive strength of oak fiber. This, The apex of the cone was round, white, concave figure, like the smaller plate set within a larger one. This was not a flower, but a receptacle, and there were there exuded into a clear, treesly liquid, honey-sweet, and possessed of violent, intoxicating, and sporific properties. So basically, it is a very sweet liquid being used as bait uh, that can kind of get you drunk. Oh. But that is not uncommon. Oh, you're saying like modern plants have this too? Yeah, we'll get into it, but yeah. So this is not, keep in mind, this is 1888 before we knew a lot of the predatory plants. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the liquids the predatory plants produce are either narcotic or hallucinogen or, you know, they kind of get you in a drunk-like state so you don't fight out the plant. Aha. Uh-huh. Keep in mind, they are just plants. Right, exactly. They got to subdue They don't you have muscles. It's more of right. a hydraulic press. Gotcha. So, yeah, until they can spray you with acid, they need you to stop moving. <laughs> right. <laughs> Okay. So, the, but this leaf looks like I, I kind of I've seen the drawings. It's hard to depict. Kind of imagine like the uh, like the aloe plant's leaf leaning down. It has the big, but the hooks curve in. Yep. And it's more like spooned than an aloe leaf. It right. actually has a cavity inside of it. A concave. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, it's like a rounded, more rounded aloe leaf with harder hooks on the outside. I like the spoon. Uh, it's very spoon-like. Yeah. Um, from underneath the rim. Of the undermost plate, a series of long, hairy, green tendrils stretched out in every direction towards the horizon. These were seven or eight feet long each and tapered from four inches to a half inch in diameter. Yet they stretched out stiffly as iron rods. Above these, from which the upper and under cup, six white, almost transparent palpi reared themselves towards the sky. Which are like little, almost like spike things, right? Palpy are a piece of a flower, uh, so mm. it's like the it's almost like the stamen. So oh, it's the gotcha. Little stamens. Yeah, on the inside of the flower. So basically, saying out of the top of this thing has these white things coming out, mm. and also like so. Imagine the top of the this tree like structure. There's the hole, mm-hmm. and then also these vines are coming out. Gotcha. So not just the leaves coming out of it. You have the palpi coming out of it, and these vines coming out of it. And it said these palpi they were towards the sky, twirling and twisting with a marvelous incessant motion yet constantly reaching upwards thin as reeds and frail as quills apparently they were yet five or six feet tall and were so constantly and vigorously in motion with such a subtle sinuous silent throbbing against the air that they made me shudder in spite of myself with their suggestion of serpents flayed yet dancing on their tails so like the little dancing snakes Mm -hmm. when they come out of the pot so they're constantly just like... Mm-hmm. It's probably the wind. Wind moving them, but, but yeah. it's probably like an attractive thing too to pull in, you know... That is probably just for reproduction. Oh, okay. Oh, that, to catch like spores and whatnot? Yeah, no, for for pollinators and stuff like that. Okay, gotcha. It probably has nothing to do with the carnivorous nature of this plant. We will soon learn about. Mm, okay. Um, here we're not Corolla, pistil, stamens, a flower, mind you, nor anything like it. For Corinoidia unknown, new species as it is, is, oh gosh, nighest akin to the Saidae. Gosh, it's just like a cousin of it, I'm yeah, guessing. It's not, it's, it's not 
acting like a lot of its family members if it is in the Venus flytrap family. Gotcha. Okay. And perhaps its exact prototype may be found among the fossil cicadae or cicadae. So basically, he's saying it doesn't belong to any of the living modern relatives. And they so may... maybe we can find it in the fossil record. Pro- yep, there you go. Through, I, though I confess, I do not remember at anyone that any... at. Oh, gosh. I know. It's very hard. <sighs> I do. I know. I do not remember anyone that presents all of its particular features. So he's saying he don't remember any fossil that they found that has this. Everything. Per- yes. The description I am giving you now is partly made up from a subsequent careful inspection of the plant. My observations on this occasion were suddenly interrupted by the natives who had been shrieking about the tree in their shrill voices and chanting what Henrik told me were propri- proprietary hymns to the great tree devil. Ooh. With still wilder shrieks and chants, they now surrounded one of the women and urged her with the points of their javelins until slowly and with despairing face, she climbed up the rough stalk of the tree and stood on the summit of the cone, the palping, the palpy twirling around her. Oh, I don't know this what's is about. One of her peop- this is one of their people. And it looks like they're forcing her to climb up there. Well, kind of. Uh, kind of with pointy sticks as javelins? I would say yes. So it's they're saying tisk tisk, which means drink, drink, cried the man. And stooping, she drank the viscous fluid with a cusp or with a cup, rising instantly again with a wild frenzy in her face and convulsive chorea in her limbs. She starts having a seizure. But she did not jump down as she seemed to intend to do so. Oh no, the atrocious cannibal tree that had been so inert and dead came to, came to a sudden savage life. Oh gosh, the slender, delicate palpy with the furry starved serpents, which is talking about them, yeah. quivered, quivered a moment over her head. Then as, an, an, as if an instinct with demonic, demonic, demoniac intelligence ooh i don't like that um fastened upon her in sudden coils around round and round her neck and arms then while the, her awful screams and yet more awful laughter rose wilder to be instantly strangled down again into a gurgling moan the tendrils one after another like great green serpents with brutal energy and infernal rapid rapidity rose retracted themselves and wrapped around her in fold after fold ever tightening with the cruel swiftness and savage tenacity of the aconda the condas the anaconda anaconda. sorry anacondas fasting upon her her prey or upon their prey it was the barbarity of the laocoon gosh without its beauty this strange, horrible murder. Gosh. So that uh, if you... I'll, I'll recap. Yes, please, because that was a lot and very brutal. So basically, once the natives... He doesn't... Uh, our expedition guy... Yes. Doesn't really understand why getting too close to this thing is bad. So the natives sacrifice people to these trees. Uh, but once they get too close, they pick a woman out of the group that they're walking along with this guy. And like, all right, get up there. It's you. And she does. And she drinks out of the, the top. She starts having slight convulsions. The palpi are the triggering mechanisms. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so it kind of, I think the plan is either telling if it's a pollinator or a food source. Mm. Uh, so after she drinks this stuff, she kind of is getting high off it. That's where the laughing's coming from. The tendrils, the green tentacles, the green vines, shoot up and start wrapping around her tightly and tightly and tightly. Basically choking her out. Like an anaconda yeah. snake constricting. Uh, yeah. So then, they, yeah, so they just cocoon her, is what he's saying. Uh, mm. She's enjoying the whole process. Because that's partially what the hallucinogenic liquid is doing. I was going to say, yeah, she had to be very high to enjoy that. Because I can't imagine anyone being eaten to death by a plant. It's going to be enjoying or laughing about it. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so now the great leaves rose yep. slowly and stiffly, like the arms so of she it. she is at top of the plant. Yep. She's standing on top where the hole is. So she's all wrapped up in these vines vertically on top of this plant. Now the leaves are beginning to close over top of her. Mm. So even she breaks out of the vines, she can't go anywhere. So they rose slowly and stiffly, erected themselves in the air, approached one another, and closed about the dead and hampered victim with the silent force of a hydraulic press mm -hmm. and the ruthless purpose of the thumbscrew. A moment more, and while I could see the base of these great levers pressing more tightly towards one another from their interstices... The inside of them. Yes. There trickled down the stalk of the tree, great stems of the viscous honey-like fluid, mingled horribly with the blood and oozing viscera of the victim. Oh, gosh. So basically, the plant is crushing her into putty for easier mm. breakdown. They don't digest like we do. Yeah, they're just mushing her into pulp. Yep. Gosh. At the sight of this, um, the savages' hordes around me, yelling madly, bounded forward, crowded to the tree, clasped it, and with cups, leaves, hands, and tongues, got each enough of the liquid to send him mad and frantic. So they were drinking of... The mixing of the blood and the honey. Oh, and they were getting like high off it, it yeah, sounds like. it's very addictive. Oh my gosh. So it's very good. The plant has a very good life strategy because they keep feeding it so they can get the addictive. It, they're addicted. Um, oh my gosh. Okay, well, I'm going to read this next part. Mm -hmm. Then ensued a grotesque and indescribably hideous orgy, from which even while its convulsive madness was turning rapidly into delirium and insensibility, Hendrick dragged me hurriedly away into the recesses of the forest, hiding me from the dangerous brutes and the brutes from me. Um, so maybe these guys are savages and stuff oh it keeps going uh yeah we're done so that's it for the plant um oh my gosh so, so it's like a ritual almost that these guys get a high off of and yeah so the plant there are other plants that produce this addictive chemicals uh so even if prey escapes they want to come back yeah um some people there's some plants use it for pollinate so basically she climbs all the way up mm -hmm. starts drinking the stuff the pupae start feeling her up and decide this is a food item, not a pollinator. Mm -hmm. They pull down. The vines wrap around her, start squeezing super tight. They're not very strong, though. Yeah. So technically, if she wanted to, she could still get out, but she drank the fluid. She's under the influence. It's very ecstasy-like. Yeah. Uh, everything's very enjoyable. Mm, yeah. So she's not fighting Ooh, at all. Ecstasy, that's a good description. Well, yeah. So she's not fighting at all. When they get... So then these giant, the giant leaves of this thing start closing in real slow. Because like I said earlier, plants don't have muscles. It's more like a hydraulic liquid. Yeah. 
and they start intertwining and crushing. And they crush and crush and crush. And a byproduct of this is the blood and some of this honey substance is leaking out of the plant. And just dripping down the side of it. The rest of the tribe then gets to drink the mix of blood and honey. And it's like an aphrodisiac. It's yeah. partially hallucinogenic. It's partially... It's, it's a very weird compound. So tying back to the beginning of like his description of this tr- tribe, you know... He said they didn't have any like religious structure. They didn't have any community structure really that much. Everything seems to be based around this one plant, which now makes a lot more sense. Because if you live your life getting this uh, high, there, uh, yeah, there are a tribe of addicts. Yeah, and that's yeah, exactly, and that's what it seems like it's based off of. And it's so brutal, but if you're addicted to it, it's second nature to them. It's just they're just going to do it. And literally, and they're sacrificing each other just to do it, just to get eye off of it. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like it was almost accidental, like they don't remember where the trees are. Because they weren't showing this guy where the tree was. They were just kind of walking through the territory. And they found it? And found it. Yeah. And then they all started freaking out. Yeah, like, oh, there's one, there's another one. And they may not remember where they are. Yeah. After tr- the event. Tr- true, yeah. True, because they just are, like, enjoying the moment. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. I would have ran away too. Get, let's get the heck out of here like he did. Oh it, my gosh. It's very it's a very unique plant. So we there's a lot more to it. Mm-hmm. I want to get one of the other ones in before this episode time runs out. Yeah. Uh but there's been expeditions for it. A couple other people have had encounters with it. Mm-hmm. Uh it seems to be very real or it was very real. Right, yeah. Uh I think they're extinct now. Or at least if there are some left, they are in the remote parts of Madagascar, which still exist. And probably very protected, like by the oh, people. Oh, that tribe is gone. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, they didn't make it till the 21st century. Okay. I bet there's like still some hiding in caves somewhere. I don't think so, because that valley is now inhabited by modern people. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, they're definitely gone. Yeah, they're, they didn't make it, because they, they did have a tendency for being very violent. Uh, yeah, now I understand why. Uh, so once people with guns showed up, my mind's just blown right now. I'm not once, like once semi-automatic weapons showed up to Madagascar. Yeah, these these really aggressive tribes did not make it very long. Well, their pointy sticks didn't really do much to the because now they have the reputation of shooting poisonous arrows and stuff like that, and yeah. they do have that undeserved reputation of being cannibals, kinda because they are drinking the blood of this lady. Yeah, they are. I mean, that is cannibalism. But they're ad- they're addicts. Oh yeah, for sure, a hundred percent, one hundred percent. They their whole lifestyles revolves around being basically an addict at that point. So I'm skipping our middle one. It was the vampire vines of Mexico. We'll do it on another episode with cryptobotany. Okay, yeah, because that one was a long one. But you know, it, you know, it was, it, through my rough reading of it, translation of that whole article, that was very entertaining. But they've looked for it several times. People, other people have found it. Yeah, it seemed to be very real. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I believe it. And it has a lot of biological sense. Yeah. So, like, uh, it's kind of a mix of both the sundew, which has a very sweet, slightly medicinal liquid mm. all over it. It's very sticky. And the sundew curls its giant leaves back up into it whenever it gets prey. Mm, okay. And it makes a Venus flytrap. Yeah. Uh, and a pitcher plant. Because the pitcher plant, the base seems more like pitcher plant, like, to where the fluid is being collected. Mm, okay. So, after the leaves are crushing whatever prey item got into it. Yeah. Then the fluid is being collected in there for digestion, and that's what they okay. That makes like just like this, yeah. Mm-hmm. It yep. does make biological sense. Oh yeah, and it's very descriptive. Like he went. I do. So let's before we move on to our last guy for this episode. Uh-huh. Do you think it's real? Yes. 
do you think it's pretty accurately described? Yes. I do too. Yeah. I think at least it's probably extinct now. Mm-hmm. I think we'd have found it by now mm-hmm. if it was into modern times because there are tons of biological teams working in Madagascar because the country does have its its pitfalls, but it's not like the Congo. You oh, know, gotcha. A bunch yeah. of white biologists can go there and relatively not be murdered. <laughs> right. I mean, they filmed Top Gear there like six times now. Yeah. So it's not like the country is very pretty. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's very It's very modernized now. I believe it's... Is it the French that run Madagascar? I don't know. It's 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 got a big brother. One of the main countries of the world has it is, has it under like a territory. Yeah, just it is its own country, but there is one of the countries I can't remember which one it is has like I think it's France. Yeah, just about every country now has a big brother. Mm-hmm. If you're not one of the big brothers, you I mean you pretty much need it in modern day. You don't. Wow, that's. I mean, what do you mean need it? Madagascar probably wouldn't fare too well without having somebody's navy looking out for him i guess so yeah i yeah. mean somalia is like right across that little strip of the ocean true yeah i don't know oh i have we have mixed there's good and bad yeah there's no, i'm not saying bad. there's not bad but yeah but anyway, where they are in the world yeah, they need yeah. a big brother right i get it all right so what's the next one we're gonna go where are we gonna go for this one west virginia no appalachia mm-hmm. our backyard all right mm-hmm. What if, so we've talked about one that has normal plant locomotion, you know, hydraulic movement, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Biologically, it makes sense. Yeah. But what if plants were a little more animate, as in they could walk, they could move around? What if they could even talk? Like Groot? Like Groot. Yeah. Okay. Uh, bi- or what was Groot? Biofloreus giganteus. Oh, I don't know. That was his scientific name. Oh, okay. I just seen the previews. We're going to do a short version of the West Virginia Veggie Man. Ooh, Veggie Man. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he will be a full episode one time because he does have a pretty big story with him. Okay. We're going to do the watered down version for this. Okay. West Virginia has played a host to an extraordinary number of u- unusual creatures. They range from the widely known Mothman of Point Pleasant to the Flatwoods Monster of Braxton County. Few people, however even within the state itself, have heard of the strange case of the West Virginia's Veggie Man. Bum, bum, bum. (laughs) So the West Virginia Veggie Man is said to be very tall, uh, arguably over seven feet tall, thin with semi-human shape, and that's rough. Yeah. Humanoid. Humanoid, yeah, bipedal, I'm guessing. It has also appeared to be potentially just plant-based, with possessing large ear-like structures, striking eyes, uh, with oscillating colors, so it's almost like hypnotic eyes. Like you, ever, you remember a Jungle Book, how the oh, snake's eyes would change? Yeah, colors? it's like that, but real life. Okay. Uh, mostly going from red to yellow rapidly. Its arms were thin and gave the impression of reeds on a riverbank. The ends of its long, or the ends of its long fingers had suction cup-like things that had thorns protruding from within the suction cups. Mm. Very octopus squid-like. Mm-hmm. The sightings. In 1968, once again, this is, you know, 60s in West Virginia was a crazy, a scary time. place to live. Yeah, or interesting. Scary. Uh, 1968, in the woods around uh, Fairmont, West Virginia, Jennings Frederick was out on the hunt. As he moved through the woods in search of game, Frederick's heard an odd noise. It sounded like a recording player or recorded player 
running faster than it was uh, than it should. So like I like a record player. Okay. Being on like uh the the fast. Yeah, setting. It was uh sort of high pitch garbling. So uh kind of like how some people say the Mothman talked. Oh, okay. When he tracked down to the source of the sound, he came face to face with a strange creature. Fredericks would go on to say the being looked weakened, sickly, and uh, and jabbering incessantly. So basically, it looks weak, it looks sick. It's blah, 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 blah. Suddenly, he could make out the words. Yeah, and he hints later on at telepathic communication. Hmm. He So here's what the vegetable man says to Fredericks. You need not fear me. I wish to communicate. I come as a friend. We know of you well, or we know of you all. I come in peace. I wish medical assistance. Will you please help me? Oh, wow. With that, the creature lunged at him and wrapped Frederick up in its surprisingly strong arms. Frederick was unable to break away from the embrace of this creature, piercing his skin with the thorns on its fingertips. While it drained blood from him, Fredericks found himself enthralled by a flashing colors of the creature's eyes, almost like he was hypnotized. Then, almost as quickly as it pounced, the veggie man raced away up the hill. Fredericks then claimed to hear a deep humming from the other side of the hill. He surmised the creature uh, that might be have the sounds of the creature's chip taking off. Implies that he felt that the monster was extraterrestrial in origin. That's a side note. Hmm. So this creature's like, well, you basically telepathically, like, please help me. We know of your kind. Uh, I need medical assistance. There's, yeah. And then it jumps on him, and, drinks some blood. And takes off. Yeah. Hmm. In this time period in West Virginia, I wonder what was going on. It kind of seems like either we did open a portal to other dimensions and these creatures are coming through, or we're doing like, we were doing like human genome experiments where we're mixing human dna with like other stuff or it might not be us what if it's like interdimensional creatures that are making their way into our world and now they're the only way to integrate is to get more of our dna or stuff to be more flesh and blood in this world so i included him in cryptobotany because i think he may not be from another world you think it's here i think he may be some form of sentient plant. Really? See, I think it's a. I think it's a. I think. Well, you're kind of right. Yes, but I think it's almost like human being spliced with plant DNA, and and then this abomination was created. You I know? think he was a plant creature. So yeah, once again, this is the only sighting of this creature ever. Okay, a uh, one-off. Yeah, one-off. West Virginia's famous form. Um, I just think. He may be one of what we used to consider, uh, well, like, oh, gosh, I just forgot the word, for living trees, walking trees, unts. Unts? Mm-hmm. Hmm. There was a bunch of a bunch of old legends of these tall tree-like creatures that would walk around real slow mm-hmm. that were peaceful by nature and would only defend themselves. Yeah. Uh, he could need the blood for iron and stuff like that. He may have been actually weak. Hmm. And he took off because he's like, well, Fredericks is not going to understand why i just did this yeah no matter what Clearly. i say after this it it's it's also giving me like sam sundown clown vibes like wow. the telepathic kind of communication um the h- hands and arms and legs obviously being made of wood well um his 
this one is definitely more flexible plant. It's like almost like snakes because he wrapped around them with him. Mm. Sam d- couldn't move his arms or legs. Okay. Hmm. But still, I mean, similar like, hey, I mean you no harm. Like, you know, kind of the same message. And then, ugh, I don't know. That seems kind of harmful, what it, whatever it did. Maybe it didn't mean him harm, but it needed something from him. Well, yeah. So, see, it did not take a lot of blood. It just needed something. Yeah, just a little bit. See, I think that's demon stuff. It could be. I mean, it could be. And it needs human blood. But I included him in this because he seems very botany. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so I think, you know, this is all these all these plants. Like uh, We didn't get into it today, but the snare vines of Mexico, Yeah. they specifically drink blood. Mm. All these vines drink blood. Mm, okay. But this one's walking around. This one's moving. I don't know. It could be one of the few of the last of what we used to think of forest spirits. Yeah, that too, yeah. Forest spirits. I can't even mention that yet. Like, it could be a, I don't know, a manifestation of one of the spirits that took this form. I'm just saying that we called them forest spirits, that they are actual biological beings. Mm, Okay. I see what you're saying. They're just made of plant. Yeah. Nothing is out of the realm of possibility. No. You went straight to interdimensional, though. I did, for sure, but I think that's a possibility. Oh, it definitely <laughs> is. I mean, all these weird guys. Yeah. Or out of time. Could, or that, too, yeah. They could have been the the uh, they could have been the dominant species during the Triassic when dinosaurs were walking around because dinosaurs didn't eat them. And, and we still don't know how old some of this stuff is or how recent some of this stuff even is, you know? A cave creature. Could be, yeah. It's been a while since we did a gold-fashioned cave creature. Uh, it's always cave creatures. Everything's a cave creature. But... Uh, so going back, so cryptobotany, there's not as many as cryptids. I mean, really, there's never going to be as many as cryptids. Right. Because plants are much more easily discovered. Not saying that they don't have as wild of biology as animals and fungi do. Right. But they just, like I said, most plants are pretty much stuck. I was just saying they're more, li- they are. more limited. Yeah. So they can't run away. They can't hide from you. They can't play this cat and mouse game as easily right. as you know a cryptid can, an animal can, or a fungi can. Fungi are almost all exclusively underground. Mm-hmm. So it's a hard species to say because we're basically judging it off the fruiting body. Right, yeah. Uh, but cryptobotany is a very unique field with many species in it that are weird. There's fire-breathing plants. There's living pitfalls. Yep. Uh, which we'll get into on, on more additions to this cryptobotany. Mm-hmm. But I just thought it would be really fun to do a first kind of intro to it. Oh, this is a great intro to this. There's even a giant living cannibal corn. <gasps> oh, we need that. That mm-hmm. could be our new mascot. Oh, that would be a good one. Now, does, now does this seem in relation to Chuck Tingle? No. Okay, good. But no, the devil tree is definitely probably the big the, the big guy. That is the Bigfoot of cryptobotany. Gotcha. From Madagascar. Yeah. yeah, that was a good... That's good. And the story goes on. I should have gave a warning about the orgy thing. Yeah, I wasn't ready for that. But, I mean, it, it adds an important part to the puzzle, too. It's definitely. They're definitely addicts to whatever yeah. that thing is. Yeah. And I think you're right about, like, an ecstasy type it's definitely, feeling. Yeah, it's definitely something I mean, feely because the lady was being crushed to death and enjoying it. Enjoying it, yeah. I mean, I've never done ecstasy but i heard stories and that seemed very fit those descriptions very well like a natural version of that maybe i don't know that's crazy though but it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility at all in my mind no no these living plants stuff yeah oh yeah for sure i mean just this living plant in general i mean 
you got Venus flytraps, you know, nowadays. Sundews. You, you got sundews, yeah. So who's to say? You Gamble know, flowers. Yeah. I mean, this stuff could have been way more prevalent, you know, at the time where wherever, like he was mentioned, this branch of species or type of plant took, you know, got its footing in the world, wherever it came from. They don't know, but obviously it was here. It could have been worldwide. It could have been spread out, and there could have been a lot more of them. These things are probably mostly eating lemurs. Oh, yeah. And, and like, when, you know, cataclysms happen, you know, food sources change. I can wipe out entire plant species that feed off certain food sources like this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they're just gone. What are you going to do? You know, they're not going to regrow back like all of our, you know, more hardier plants and fauna we got. Is that the right word? Mm-hmm. Flora. Flora. Yeah, flora. That, you know, that come back, you just drop a seed somewhere and it can be stored in forever and until it's reanimated. I don't feel like these carnivorous ones aren't quite like that. How, I mean, question, maybe you know, how do Venus flytraps like reproduce? Seeds. Just like seeds? Mm-hmm. Okay. I've never seen a Venus flytrap seed. Where is it? It's seed? not very common. They do produce a flower. They do. Okay. Yeah, I've never seen it. They shut all their mouths for it. Oh, so you've never seen it. Mm-hmm. It's not very, you don't see it in captivity. So, oh, okay. See, like stuff like it's probably a lot harder for them to. I think almost all of them produce. Well, they'd have to somehow, flowers. right? I'm trying to think. Sundews produce a flower. I think pitcher plants produce a really cool flower. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not familiar with at all. I gotta, I gotta up my. Carnivorous or... flowers are a flower. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's in the name. And they sometimes they eat them, sometimes they don't. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, we. I gotta dig more into the carnivorous plants now. There's a lot of them. So this was a good first taste. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I think this will probably be a Patreon episode for a while. This may be a later release. Yeah. On the main page, just due to the word orgy that we're going to keep adding. Well, that's okay. I don't think ain't nothing bad. I mean, yeah, there's something bad, but it's not <laughs> a bad word. A woman uh, was crushed to death, and then they had orgy, orgy. with their blood juice. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's bad. We, we'll just well, well, graphic well, warning. We'll yeah. put a graphic warning in the description. All right. I have been the great and powerful mystery. And I've been Ed, Ed, what was it? Ed, Edmund, Edmund, Edmund J. Edmund J. (laughs) Together with Chris the Corn Podcast. Thank you for this thorny episode. (laughs) All right. Catch you later, guys. You've been listening to Cryptids of the Corn. Be sure to join us in the next episode where we tantalize your intellect and expand the horizons of your mind. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we really appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, stay magical. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.